Hello and welcome to an all new episode of Talking the Terror. My name is Kente, one of your hosts, all the way live from Los Angeles, California. And I am so happy to be here with you tonight. We will be talking about episode nine of AMC's television series, The Terror. And joining me is my two wonderful co-hosts. First, we'll start off with the one that only Yardley. How you doing? Hey, I'm, I'm doing great, Kente. Nice day here in Atlanta and excited to talk episode nine. You know, uh, as a side note, uh, you know, I think that you guys live in two uh, great places, but for different reasons. Uh, Jen lives in Hawaii and, you know, do I even need to say more? Right. But uh, but Yardley, you live in Atlanta, which is uh, every man's uh fantasy place right with uh, mm -hmm. all that goes on <laughs> there. Yes. yeah i'm sure yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm sure so well, what's up you about to uh keep on going keep praising the city oh yeah atlanta yeah i like atlanta atlanta i mean if you're a guy atlanta's wonderful <laughs> Atlanta's is a it's a great place so. yeah definitely and you know also you know out where you're at where a lot of uh Hollywood and movies, things are shot. You know, like Atlanta is, is one of the new hubs for motion pictures. So that's also increased, you know, not only financially, but, you know, there's lots more people even moving uh, to Atlanta now. Actually, I think that there there is probably, from the time that I came to Atlanta in 1994, um, I think another... I don't know over two and a half million more people have showed up. My, uh, maybe even more. Three can say it's been it's been a huge surge. You're so like Moses. You brought <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you brought two million people with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I actually think that it's 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 more than that. But uh, but yeah, man. You know what? It's fun, and uh, I know that Jen can probably take the baton and run it across the finish line in terms of good weather, and everything else going on in Hawaii. I know that there's some some things that are larger than all of us going on out there and we're happy that you're that you're safe and doing well but you know uh i'm pretty sure that you can't complain either uh no and also i've learned after living here for such a long time that you don't compare hawaii to any other place on the planet because it's sort of unfair it's kind of like comparing you know a shot of water to a shot of 200 year old scotch no you just don't do it so yeah it's okay it's good it's all good though no. You know, also, they, you know, Atlanta, I saw The Walking Dead, okay? I'm uh, not going there. I know how that story happens. Nope. Uh, <laughs> well, well, I, I know, um, Kente, I'm trying to remember her name, but when we were doing the, um, you know, the Hell on Wheels podcast, one of our very active listeners and callers, they were from Hawaii as well. Do you remember, uh, do you remember her name? Yeah, yeah. Um, Huge fan of the shows, and she used to call in and talk to the actors and you know and all oh of that. Because she was on, she actually was on my show, uh, uh, Mars Venus. She was on the second episode, and I'm gonna get shot for not remember her name. I, I'm have too. To go I, in just, a... <laughs> I feel like I'm I feel like I'm dead wrong. I probably shouldn't have even brought that up. But the reason why I did bring it up is you know her, and then you know Jen has um been someone who's always been uh been down to the you know for the cause with us and it's just kind of funny that two of the uh two of our most interesting um followers were both from hawaii so maybe some in the water 
Yeah, yeah, we're we're cool people. There is something in the water. It's it's ocean all around us. There's tons of stuff in the water. It's, this is what makes us so cool. That's right. And welcome to the show, Jen. By the way, thank you much. Thank you much. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get heavy into uh, episode nine tonight, and and I feel like after we uh, do episode ten, we'll decompress. And then try to uh, go back over the show and get an give an overview of what we feel about the uh, the show as a whole. But I'm really excited to talk about this episode nine, uh, which aired uh, last night. Um, the name of the episode is it's so you know what I have it I had it up and then I took it down. What the yeah, hell it's it's the sea, the sea, the open sea. There you go, <laughs> the sea, the sea, the open sea. The, uh, very smart of me, right? To uh, to take it down, but yeah, the sea, the sea, the open sea. And uh, so we're getting close to the finale and everything being wrapped up. And there's so much to unpack with this episode. Um, let's start off by talking about Fitz James. Uh, was anybody surprised? Uh, that Fitz James died when he did die. That I, I thought maybe that he would be end up in the mix. Uh, were you guys happy about the way that he went out? Do you wish that he had more to do in uh, in the finale, which will be coming up next week? <laughs> hey, you know what? You remember back? I think probably in episode two or episode three. I was saying that Fitz James was totally going to get it, but I thought it was going to be from uh, from Tunbach. But it turns out that you know he was just rotten, you know, on the inside. So I kind of figured that he was going to die. I just thought that it would be a little bit more gruesome, and it, yeah, I thought that it would not be on his terms. Basically, mm. what about you, Jen? Um. I don't, I don't know if I was actually sad to see him go. I feel like he was suffering a lot. I even posted on Twitter that after watching that episode, my body physically hurt for those characters. I mean, like, there was something visceral happening, and no one more so than Fitzjames. As, as they were carrying him in the boat, uh, every movement was just agony for him. It... Uh, in a in a weird sort of way, it was actually kind of nice closure that he was gone. I can't even imagine that kind of suffering. Yeah, and, and the, the scene where Crozier gives him the poison and you know massages his throat. I mean, th- there was something. Uh, even though it was sad, it was something. Um, what's the word I want to use? Uh, uh, it was definitely sympathetic towards what was going on with him, but. It was just, you know, it, it was very, uh, very sad to see uh, that character go, especially because of, uh, I, I feel like his character initially, maybe we didn't like him. I don't know if you guys didn't, but he was kind of set up that kind of a way where we weren't going to like him. But by the end, you know, I, I think that uh, he became a likable character. And I think we could relate to him being, you know, what he shared about his past and all of that. So when he eventually dies... And the way that he dies, uh, it was it was definitely in a very effective scene and very, very you know very sad. Yeah, and and what do y'all think about the fact that you know him knowing that he's going to be gone, the fact that he was like, you can, you know, feed my body to the men that need Oof. it. I don't. 
I mean, here's the thing. I'm one of those people, you know, when you're dead, you're dead. You don't know anything. Right. But I'd never be like, y'all eat me. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> y'all eat me because in my mind, I'm like, y'all are just going to eat me and there's going to be nothing left. And then y'all are still going to die in about eight days. You know what I mean? Like, uh. Right. Well, and th- there's there's a deeper, there's even a deeper level to that, right? One, it, it, and also I just got to go back to the fact that when Fitzjames dies, it really leaves Crozier alone. I don't mean like there aren't other people around that he feels like he's got some kinship to, but in terms of just rank, it leaves Crozier alone, which I don't know, for some reason that felt even more sad. Um, But also uh, there's this weird part of Fitzjames saying, go ahead and consume my body when I'm gone. That is both at once sort of this weird foreshadowing, but at the same time, it's also, so smart that nobody decided to do that because consuming the flesh of someone who's already been poisoned by the stuff, who knows what that does? I was just about to say, would it have been a good idea to eat someone who ingested poison to die? (laughs) I mean, he was clearly sick, so I don't know if that would be, you know, yeah. Yeah. That's probably not a, not a great idea, but, but yeah. And we're going to get into the whole cannibalism thing too, but I just wanted to wrap up Fitz James, uh, the scenes with him. I, I thought it was very good. You know, it makes me wonder, uh, out loud. If you take Tunbuck out of this story and you just tell the story of some men who was on this voyage and got stuck in the ice yeah. and ultimately met their demise, it's still a really good story, actually. Exactly. <laughs> That's the way I feel. Yeah. I feel the exact same way. I think you could totally make it work. Uh, what do you think, Jen? You think uh, it could have been knocked out of the bullpark without the um, the addition of Tunbuck? You know, oddly, I think from a cinematic point of view, it, it totally could. It was terrifying just the way that they did it. It was absolutely, everything was horrifying. But the addition of Tunbach, I, I will say, in the book especially, made it, it rounded out the feel of ultimate dread. I, I think I think that there's a part of this story we know we're marching toward disaster, right? And so there's this the the Tunbach part is sort of a uh, it's it's an odd injection into the narrative that kind of gives it a little bit of uh something outside of themselves we know that they're marching toward destruction we know you know bad things are going to happen what we don't know is sort of the the unknown elements that are around it and having tunbach in gives us uh uh sort of the opportunity for the unknown still to happen and that's why i think it works so well even although you're right i mean I think we could tell the story of the Franklin expedition and make it just as scary. Yeah. yeah. Well, 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 let me ask you this, Jen, as well as being someone who has consumed uh, that book pretty thoroughly up to this point in the story in comparison to the book. And I know that there's been a lot of things that the TV show has left out, but in the book, how much of a presence is Tunbach up to this point? I mean, do they use the presence of Tunbach sparingly, but go big when you do get to something uh, concerning the monster? Or is the show, you feel like the show is 
possibly showing the monster too much. Uh, I mean, what are your feelings on the usage of that character up to this point? Well, I don't, I don't feel like they used him too much. Um, I, it, it's different. Obviously, it's much different. Um, but I, I, I think the show has sort of done something a little bit different. Again, you know, just Tunbach as a as let's let's use Tunbach as an actual character. Tunbach as a character is 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 a is a bit like the Hickey character in the book, where he's just sort of mad chaos so whenever Tunbach appears crazy chaos things will happen it's it's like they interchanged who hickey is with who Tunbach is which is kind of odd but whatever in in the book though because so much of it is sort of expository it there isn't a lot of just Tunbach himself or Tunbach itself the thing it's the thing you know the thing is out there and and it, there's always sort of a sense of it permeates everybody's thoughts, but we can never be sure in the book how much of those thoughts are consumed because people are getting paranoid because of the isolation, because of what is happening to them and how much is really happening because Tunbach is actually there. They, there's so many different sightings and stuff. Did they actually see him or was it, are they hallucinating? I mean, like there's all those questions, which is why I think it, in the book, it, it, they inject maybe more discussion about Tunbach, but in the series, there's sort of more em- uh, dramatic emphasis on what Tunbach's actions are. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, what's funny is, first of all, that question kind of scared me for a minute, Yardley, when you said uh, you have consumed, I was like, do you know something about her that I don't know? <laughs> <laughs> I like, well, she, do you know she's a cannibal? And I don't know. Like, I was like, wait, where were you going with it? But uh, I was uh, like, oh, Jen consume is, the book. Jen is all fresh fish <laughs> and cakes, probably. <laughs> you know, I could see how people could think that my last really favorite series was Hannibal. So. Oh, that's all right. right. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> but, um, you know, you know, initially I kind of thought without, you know, I didn't read the book or anything. I thought I started thinking, like, are we going to find out that he's not really real, that because of the isolation and all that, it's like some kind of fake entity or something like that? I kind of thought that for a while. And then I realized, oh, no, he's real. <laughs> like, well, you're t- talking about like that mass hysteria thing. Right. Or- Right, right. I, I thought initially maybe that's where they were going with it was there is no Tumbuk that it's like some, like you said, a mass hysteria or something be, due to the isolation, the lack of food and all of this stuff. But hey, then, hey, no, listen, he's real. Listen, Kente, isolated or not, a torn off ass on the deck <laughs> of that fucking ship is enough to convince me. <laughs> that yeah, that convinced me. <laughs> you just don't roll up on a booty, just sit <laughs> on the deck. You know what I mean? So that's all the convincing I need, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah. By then, yeah, I was convinced. But, you know, I was like, okay, are they going to get real slick with it or, you know, and pull some, you know. Nope. No, he's definitely real for sure. But um, so I'm and I'm glad that that's what it is, too. Uh, and, um, you know, it's a, it's I mean, we're going to talk a lot about Tunbuck, but um, I, I just I just love the fact that you have this creature, this mythical creature that's chasing you. And 
that is not always the number one concern. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's yeah. like, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, this monster's out there, but shit, we need to eat. We need it, to get, it to, unders- you know, it's funny. It, it underscores how, uh, how dire their situation is that Tunbuck isn't even the, 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 the most, you know, pervasive of thoughts that they have. To, that says something pretty wild about how incredibly bleak their situation is. Because yeah. if there was a mythical creature chasing you around and you weren't thinking of that first and <laughs> foremost every time you were going anywhere, uh, then you would be in some pretty serious trouble. Yeah, uh, and we no doubt about that. And we got to give this this show and as well as uh, just the source material credit because in a other you know if. If weaker writers took over the material, um, they would make the show all about the creature, the search for the creature. You know, it would all be about the creature. And they've done this really good thing where it's there, you know, it's there, it's ever present, but it's more about the character relationships and all of that kind of stuff. So that, you know, when, when they do use Tumbuck, it's maximum effectiveness because you've are you know you care about the characters they they make you you know they they make you do that and um you know a lot of other writers or a lot of other showrunners would have said okay we got this creature so episode 1 you know such and such creature episode two, you know i kind of i love the way that they've in you know they've integrated that part of the story into it i think it's uh, i think it works well um go ahead i'm sorry well, no, I was going to say um, to kind of get back to when we were talking about Fitzjames and consumption of the body. Um, and I I definitely want to hear uh, what you think about this, Kenze. But um, as far as um, Crozier making the decision, you know, to bury um, Fitzjames and, you know, to make sure that, you know, no one else can find it or desecrate it. And we were talking and Jen had brought up, hey, we don't know if it's even wise to consume a body that has also consumed poison. So seeing as Crozier made the decision a little bit later on to leave some supplies when, you know, they didn't have to or they could have burned them up to kind of spite um, Hickey. Um, do you think that that decision to bury him and not leave him out, he was also considering that, hey, if it wasn't enough food that those guys who might have just um, been with Hickey just because of circumstance that they might die because of it? Or do you just feel like it was more of a respect thing? for who Fitzjames was. I, I believe it was a respect thing because there was that, that scene with Blanky where, where Blanky, and we'll talk about this uh, more at the end of the episode, but was going to make his you know choice to sacrifice himself. And he was like, I can't lose a, a second friend, you know? So it really shows that, you know, the, where their relationship had gotten to and the respect that he did have for him. So yeah, definitely it was a respect thing and and an admiration for who he was and what he had to do to get to where he was at. They could relate to each other in that way. Jen. Oh yeah, I I completely agree. I I don't th- I think that I I think Crozier again again it has a lot to do with Crozier and Fitzjames both being officers. There's there is a uh, sense of duty where before the the beginning part where we see that they end up having to burn all the men is real that's really about resources just like you said you know it really is about they there's no way that they can bury the number of men that died at the beginning but even burning them what is still that that is it, that's actually a form of 
uh, of goodbye, which is very different from leaving a body in the middle of nowhere for whatever reason. I mean, like, like they're at least they all got some closure. I am, I, I'm not sure exactly how to describe it other than to say that it was ceremonial. That's what I'm thinking. There was something ceremonial. So if it's James got a higher ceremonial, uh, um, he got something higher in ceremony because he was an officer, Did, right? Right. Whereas yeah. everybody okay. else got, got burned. Yeah. Wait, I, wa- I want to go back to something, though. I just want to tell you that I, I think that part of the reason that this adaptation worked so well really goes back to the way that Dan Simmons wrote this book. Because of the way that Dan Simmons wrote this book from uh, different character perspectives and because even the chapter titles are, are titled with their names and stuff, it, it really is a book about the people. It's, I mean, the, the supernatural element is there. But it, this really is a story about these people. It's 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 like that additional piece. It's not a, it's not a supernatural tale. It is a story about the Lost Franklin edition, and something supernatural happened. But the but the crux of everything is all about who the people were. And again, that just goes back to how brilliant Dan Simmons wrote this novel. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Hickey for a minute. Um. Because after the events of episode eight, you know, we have two groups, right? After uh, Tumbuk's Tumbuk's, um, attack on the camp. And uh, now we have two groups. We have Hickey's group and Crozier's group. And so Hickey is now the leader of that group. And um, Hickey, there, there um, there was a scene in this episode where he actually confronts good sir and um maybe you guys got this but why you know uh the reason why good sir ended up with his group versus uh crozier's group um i didn't get that uh maybe i missed it or something like that or was it even uh gone over but but he tell he has good sir um cut up the body so that they can eat it uh, and then he makes a comment. Goodser makes a comment about, based on his accent, that he comes from a place where, you know, he knows how to, you know, he's probably eaten a human or two, which is really creepy because I'm like, where the hell is that? <laughs> you know, like, where, uh, you know, where. Uh, no, no, I don't think he said that. I think what he said was. I from from your accent, basically he was saying, look, you know, you're poor enough. It was sort of an insult. You're poor enough that I know that you know exactly what cuts of meat you can eat off. You have to consume every single part that is edible on an animal. So I don't need to tell you this. You're going to already know this. I don't think he was saying you've eaten humans before. He was just saying (laughs) you're poor enough that you have to consume every single part of an animal. So you're going to know what's safe and what's not. Don't be kidding around with me that way. Okay. I'm glad you said that because I thought, I was like, man, where is that? Where they were just eating people like that? Uh, You know, like, uh, okay. So I'm glad you clarified that one. Um, But still, though, it's still jacked up, though. Um, But why do you think that, Jen, why do you think that he made Good Sir do that was it a, a show of loyalty to the group that he wanted why do you think that he he did that to him you know I, i've actually thought about that a little bit because it seemed extremely 
like an like an extreme act of degradation to me at first, and then I thought, mm, I don't think that's actually what it is. I I sort of get the feeling that Hickey is asserting his dominance over sort of everything. The ba- I, I I to the end, I think Hickey has a god complex. I don't think that there's any way that you can look at a character like Hickey and just think, well, he's just your run of the mill average, you know, kind of psychopath running around, you know, who isn't good. He clearly has something going on in his head that says, I'm superior to everybody else. And I, good sir, is the only person, honestly, that was actually even marginally nice to any of them in the way that I think, you know, that would be memorable. And I don't think that Hickey likes that. Uh, not because he doesn't like people to be good, but because somehow that outshines what his capability is. Like, um, like, like, like being a true narcissist. You know, nobody can, I must take everybody down to my level. Nobody can be above my level. Just like that kind of thing. Because Goodsir was probably right. Hickey probably could have done it. But that would have made Hickey look like he was less than who he is. Yeah. I, I'm, for me, um, in a nutshell, Hickey's character, you know, up to this point, for me, is just a guy who, in this particular circumstance, he had an opportunity to be somebody that he never would have been prior to all of these events happening. And it's just steamrolled. He got all of the ammunition he needed um, to kind of be fearless after that whipping that he got you know, earlier in the season. I think that that really empowered the character and kind of let them, you know, let him, you know, take off and be a little bit more bold. But um, I agree with everything you said, Jen. I mean, there's just something in that guy's head that, that has been aided, you know, by this dire circumstance that just has him uh, really feeling itself right now. Hmm. Now, uh, let me ask a crazy question. What do you guys think of him as a leader? Uh, because, you know, he does take the, the leadership mantle uh, very seriously. And uh, what do you guys think about the idea of Hickey being a leader, even though he's you know crazy? Hmm. Well, and it, also, there, there's 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 this God, there's this crazy aspect to this, which I hadn't noticed right away, but that sort of carries itself through episode nine, where if you look at Hickey, he is the only person in that entire group that does not look ragtag and beleaguered by everything else that's happening to everyone else. He he, there is something sort of almost like fresh and. Uh, in control his hair is is isn't all crazy all over the place he doesn't have so many sores all over him i mean everything sort of about him is like it, it's it's put together and that says something i think visually to all of us in the audience that he is not maybe as affected by everything as uh, or maybe he just isn't reacting to everything the same way that everyone else is. But also, there's also something else that I keep thinking about Hickey, which is, you know, it is very possible that Hickey was actually uh, someone who was affected by the lead poisoning in the most extreme way. 
it, it literally made him go insane. I mean, who knows what kind of things he could have been thinking in his head that were a direct relation or indirect relation to being poisoned by the lead. Hmm. That's interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of his uh, craziness, you can possibly uh, attribute to that, huh? Well, I mean, he was clearly already a bad guy. I mean, he took over who was Cornelius Hickey, right? He already took over somebody's skin, basically, right. kind of just like Dunbach, right? Wearing somebody else's skin. Um, but he, but there's a there's a deeper aspect to it where he is also, if he really was already so poised on the edge, maybe it didn't take much to sort of throw him over. So was the act of him killing the man that they would all eat, was that totally, uh, was part of that in his mind, uh, taking him out of pain and also helping his men? Did he do that in that way? Or was it totally a selfish act when he killed him? No, Goodser good said that he wouldn't be able to pull the boats. And and I th- I feel like right after that, that's when Hickey went and got the knife and, and killed him. Uh, and I mean, I'm sure there was something else to it. Obviously, he was still thinking of something else. But it, those two facts seem to resonate. Goodser said he it was very doubtful that he'd be able to do any of the pulling. And then Hickey pretty much left right after that to go get the knife and kill him. Yeah. Um, you know, another scene I loved uh, in their group was the scene where I can't, I'm so sorry, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was talking to Hickey and he was talking about Tunbuck and about he was what he witnessed um, him uh, ingesting the soul. Oh, yeah. I love that scene. Yeah, that was, it was such a good scene, uh, you know, because it's one of the few scenes where they really talk about the supernatural elements. There was another scene uh, uh, later, I believe, um, where they talked a little bit about the supernatural elements, like, come on, you didn't realize that. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I thought that was a, I thought that was a good scene too, you know, because it kind of finally is like an acknowledgement, you know, that uh, what's going on, you know? I, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, uh, one more, one more thing about uh, cannibalism. Uh, are, do you guys remember the movie Alive? Yeah, a long time ago. I don't really remember a lot about it, but I know what you're talking about. It's based on a true story, and where you know this plane crash somewhere, where it snows or whatever, and uh, they have to eventually, you know, go to cannibalism. And I remember in that movie, I think they started with the ass. That was the, the, where, uh, I guess somehow, I guess the guide to cannibalism, if you have to do it, you start there, I guess. And um, whereas I believe that's where it seemed that that's where they started as well. Uh, you know, they went to the meet. And um, the thing, though, I, I found interesting was they didn't they didn't seem to cook the meat, the human meat. They... They just went and ate, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was noticing in that, too. I, 
I, I would have to <laughs> cook it and damn near char it till it's <laughs> inedible <laughs> to to be able to do it. But I saw it. It was like you know, it pretty much looked like the, what the same proper, the same flesh that that the um that the Eskimos were. Yeah, um, they look like the seal meat. Yeah. yeah, it looked like the seal meat. So, but yeah, I don't. I just don't know. I just don't. You know, it's one thing to go there, but to go there with it still steaming, uh, that's a little bit too much. <laughs> right. Yeah, that yeah, that was crazy. And, you know, but it showed that they were so dire that they quickly, you know, transitioned to eating that flesh. You know, they had no, uh, no problem with it, uh, apparently. Um, okay, so let me talk about uh, the Blakey part. And I kind of alluded to it before. Um, where Blakey decides to that he's gonna um, try to help the group by drawing um, Tumbuck away, and I love that. I, I love you know he he asks for all those forks to wrap around himself. You know, I, I, I just loved. It. I loved how gangster he because remember I, I the last episode I I, I uh, told everybody about uh, how you know he had been one of my favorite characters right. And I thought that, you know, <clears throat> I loved how he was so at peace with what he was going to do, you know, actually welcoming it, you know, and uh, completely unafraid. Because uh, even though, you know, he revealed that he was dying or whatever or was getting worse, still, though, to, you know, put yourself in that position is still tough, right? Um, and I just loved I, I loved how he was, and I loved when he marks the map, you know, and all of that. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, I thought that that was I thought that that was cool. Yeah, the whole thing with the forts because at first when I heard him mention it, I was just like, oh, this guy hungry. He's delirious. I don't know what the hell, <laughs> <You know? laughs> the hell he wants. Even you want you want fifty forks, bro. You got like fifty ducks to eat it with. You know? <laughs> but then when I saw him, you know. Uh, when I saw him sitting there with the with the fork strap, now, but you know it's funny. Now, hey, listen, you know in that circumstance, you know, for him and everyone else, but I think we get to see throughout, you know, the you know these episodes that more and more people are kind of starting to accept what they know is inevitable, and I think the fact that um, he kind of went out on his own terms kind of, but nothing would make you feel smaller than having a bunch of forks strapped to you. And then you see how you mungus. <laughs> it's almost like, it's like, dude, that's not gonna, that's not gonna you know, do anything. You, you know, that, that moment though, uh, the, the, that he finds the passage that was, yeah. I wanted to stand up and cheer. I mean, after all of the stuff that had happened prior to that, I just mm -hmm. wanted to stand up and cheer and say, uh, finally, something good happened. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that was the whether history that remembers it or not, who cares? Yeah, I mean, Jen, would you say that that, I mean, for me, I felt the same way. I was like, I think, I think a lot of people are going to kind of blow over that. But I think that that was like the one of the major moments of this whole thing is just the fact, just like you said, that was the one ray of hope in all this doom. And oh, just yeah. to say, it might never, just like you said, it might just disappear, you know, blow off and, you know, just never be seen again. But I thought that that was the big win because outside of that, there was just no other, really no other options that you could think of at this point 
that, that are going to help any of these men out. It, it, it made what happened to him, it made his self-sacrifice something worth self-sacrificing, yeah. <laughs> you know, that I, I, yeah. It, and you're right. I, I feel like it was just such, it was such a, it was such a blow by moment, but it was monumental when I think about what it actually meant to the character. Oh, but what about that smile on his face, can't they? That smile. He had that. I thought he was just going to turn around and just go straight Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you got nothing else to lose. You know what I mean? And actually, I, I was going to bring this up at some point um, after we had finished up the series. And I was going to kind of ask, you know, both of you, who are your unsung heroes? And I have to say that he's he's one of mine. I, it was like, who? You know, what character do you wish that you could have gotten more of. And I have to say that uh, I'd have to choose him. What about you, Jen? Oh, geez. I'm, I'm going to take a hard pass on it, pretty much any of them because I like all of them. I mean, it, without any one of them, this series, although, no, you know what? I'm going to go back and re- I'm going to amend that. I really feel like we needed more Sir John. I feel like we didn't get enough of him at all. I, I wanted I wanted more quippy stuff. I wanted more uh, social arrogance. I wanted more I wanted more reasons to kind of like see the huge juxtaposition between John and 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 Crozier. But whatever. Yeah, well, it, well, mine is obviously uh, Blakey. Uh, he he became and I always liked that actor. So uh, you know it, it kind of it goes along with uh, work that I've seen him done do before. So. Uh, but yeah, it was, yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome. <laughs> I know. I was, oh my gosh. I just really wish, you know, maybe when it comes out on Blu-ray, uh, there'll be a deleted scene where he like balls up and like tries to like porcupine come back <laughs> with those spoons, like Sonic the Hedgehog. It, you know what I mean? <laughs> You were kind of lucky, ass. That'll be that'll be great. Yeah, I love the look on his face, though. Actually, we need to get a screen grab of that that look on his face. When like like you know, what did he say? <laughs> something like, uh, "Where it took you so long?" or something to that effect. You know, I just exactly. It'll be a meme. You know that face you make when your mom says the ribs are ready. That, that, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. I love it. I love it. All right, and then the last thing we'll talk about before we say goodbye is um, obviously Hickey uh, sending his men to uh, to get Crozier. Um, was that a one? Was that surprising to you guys? And and um, why do you think ultimately uh, Hickey decided to do that? He's the king of petty. <laughs> Just pure pettiness, huh? He's like, I'm gonna do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I kind of think that it's it's it, it's see, Hickey cannot be Hickey cannot prove that he is better than everyone else unless it's unless people see that he's better than everybody else. And you know, you can be a god, but if you are a god and you don't have any followers, it means nothing. So you have to sort of prove yourself first. And that's what I think the whole point of grabbing Crozier was. I, I don't think that, he, I, I mean, maybe a small part of this is revenge, but I don't think that it's actually as much revenge as it is. No, see, Hickey needs Crozier in order to prove that he is better than Crozier. Mm, so it's just, 
you know, it's just pure. That's what we, you know, it's just pure uh, old fashioned. Uh, I need to show you that I'm besting this man so that, you know, you can see it visually and you know that's what's up. <laughs> it, it, it's a special kind of narcissism that requires you to put down the people that you uh, that you are trying to show that you're better than i for, i don't i know that there's a special term for it but when you do that you have you have to do it so completely like you really have to crush the person that you're trying to show that you're better than oh yeah i i uh i know people petty like that <laughs> so definitely i can uh, relate to all of that all right so uh before we say goodbye for episode nine and uh um, talk about uh, what we hope to see in uh, episode 10. Uh, Jen, was there any last words? Well, I, I, I feel like this was actually as hard as it was to watch. And I, I mean, it was hard. This was a long hour for me. It was a long hour. Really? And usually these shows go by so fast. Yeah. And the reason that I think it was so long is because I, along the way, like I said, I was feeling everything. I, I could imagine how cold it was. I could imagine how desperate everybody was. I could imagine how hungry they were. You could see the pain on everybody's faces. People were dying. It like it was just it was it he was huge. And I feel like this was one of the best episodes that they did because they took something that is just unbelievably difficult to tell and and did something with it that wasn't just, you know, one scene after another without any kind of, uh, without true meaning to it. It wasn't like they were just sort of uh, exposing their pain. It was that there was, there's, all of this has been leading up. There's just, there was a certain way that they told this particular episode, which we all know that it's coming but it still felt like there was something there. Like, it's still important to see what's happening. Although, I have to say, you know, one of the, the people in the group wrote on the, on the, in the group that that was it. After he saw episode nine, he couldn't watch anymore. He was just done. He'd seen too many people like, you know, a hickey. Although, God, I sure hope it wasn't actually like a hickey. Um, mm-hmm. But that it was, it was too depressing, that it was just overwhelming and I was like, oh, there's only one episode left. And this person said, nope, that's it. I'm done. I just, I can't take it. Can't do it. So, you know, it, there's some pretty serious, it's pretty serious if somebody says that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there were some other people uh, who were in the, uh, you know, in the group that, are, and, you know, it's just a major topic of discussion. It was, you know, would you or could you uh, consume someone, but they kind of, piggyback off of what you were saying Jen as far as how you were feeling everything that um, those guys were going through I think something that stuck out to me was also the fact it almost seemed like when they were sitting around consuming uh, you know one of their fellow men uh, it almost seemed like it was a few different parts to it one was the fact and the dread that that's what they were doing but it almost seemed like when they were eating it and they they showed everybody consuming it. It almost seemed like it was a ritual, and they were all totally bound one hundred percent to yeah. each other, you know, uh, at, at that moment. And also the fact that you know when you haven't eaten in a long time, you know, it's hard 
to consume a large amount of stuff. You know, when you're to the point of starvation where they were getting, it's also hard to consume a lot of stuff. You'd have to like slowly take it in. But I definitely feel you on that because the way the camera kind of moved around and got a little bit of everybody, I thought that that was really wicked how they did that. So uh, at that point, I mean, it takes a lot to make me stop watching something, especially with one episode to go or to walk out on something. Actually, I don't I think the only thing that I've ever walked out on was like a comedy. Because it was so, because it, it was so horrible. But uh, I thought that they pulled it off well, and uh, we'll, we'll see what the next episode has in store. Well, you know, wait one more thing. I, if you, I've, I know I said this in a previous podcast, but now that we're getting closer to the end, you can really see how this particular story is one hundred percent sort of a, a, an extended metaphor for what was what was happening both in real life and what is happening sort of societally, right? It is, it's the encroachment of, uh, of imperialism, colonialism, you know, going places maybe that you're not supposed to. And when you look at sort of how things have, have transpired over the episodes, when we get to this episode, it, this is society consuming itself. This is society basically eating itself from the from from all different angles and this is what you get this is why you have to be careful about how you how you build your society about how you build your civilization if you don't build it carefully it consumes itself and this this is it's just such a perfect metaphor all the way through and this particular episode that's exactly what it called home. It called that part home. Also, you know, something else that I was just thinking about this particular episode is that that there is, there was something about the way that Hickey tells the men what sort of um, what like why it is that they are where they are. His little speech to them is such a huge window into why this whole thing happened with him in the first place why any why would any man choose to go follow him and it 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 actually makes a lot of sense when you think about how he was portraying what was really happening you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. no it makes perfect sense yeah <laughs> definitely um you know it it's going to be very interesting to see how everything gets tied up i mean there's only one episode left and uh I'm, you know, I, you're starting to see how it may go. So it's, it's going to be very interesting. Looking forward to next week's episode. All right. So let's uh, let's go start with, with you, Jen. How can people get you in social media and your website and all that? I am at Following Bliss on pretty much every social media piece. And my blog is Critical Laughs with two L's dot com. All right. And Yardley, how can people get you? And you can follow me on Twitter at Militant underscore Marker. And you can follow me at Kente F uh, on Twitter. And you can also uh, get to our website at IndieRadio.org. Um, I want to uh, say that uh, you'll be able to get our episode at least by the um, the night of the finale uh, for episode 10. And uh, we are working on trying to get some casts members on the podcast so uh nothing uh yet to announce but stay tuned as soon as we have something to announce we'll post it in our groups and on the facebook page and uh so looking forward to you know uh 
having you know some people from the show to come on and talk about it. So uh, it looks pretty good that that's going to probably happen. But uh, um, you know, uh, if you're a fan of our show, uh, tweet out, let the people know who make the show that uh, they should come on our podcast, and you know we'll chop it up. With all that said, we'll see you next time right here on Indie Radio. Uh, you have a good one. <laughs>